0: So this morning's message has flowed out of some recent thinking and essentially to do with events that have taken place over the last two or three weeks. And I'm sure you'll agree that there's been a lot going on in the news that can unsettle us. we've had a a referendum that has seen the country divided in its views, we've seen even this weekend um, racial tensions in America, in Louisiana and Missouri and Dallas uh, because of uh, fatal shootings that happened there and you know the whole hashtag to do with black lives matter. You know, the saddest thing about that is that it needs to be said. The fact that it needs to be said is an indictment in itself. You know, we talk about the referendum and we think about the racially motivated attacks that have even taken place in this country. And you know, I I, like... like I said you know like it shouldn't need to be said and like if there's any place where it shouldn't need to be said is in a room like this in a gathering like this but let me say that if you're a follower of Jesus there is absolutely no room in any way shape or form for any racist or xenophobic attitudes and if you find Racist or xenophobic attitudes in your heart, the route to dealing with that is not denial, not pretending that they're not there, but bringing them to Jesus. They exist because of a wound that is in your heart, that Jesus is able to heal through repentance. But there is no room for us to be caught to call ourselves a follower of Jesus and to have those kind of attitudes in our heart. So we've had a lot that, you know, can unsettle us. Politically, things have been in turmoil. We've had resignations. We've had treachery. There's news of illegal wars. The fragility of our politics has been once again exposed. And I think that it's not like, most of us are like overly shocked but when we see it in its reality and its starkness we we become shocked by it all over again and it's so easy to feel disempowered so easy to to just react and uh, uh, Tando said in the first service today that, that, that essentially it affects our confidence um, I believe that as, as Christians, we need to think about how we respond, because I don't believe that we should just retreat and say, well, that's it. I believe that there is an appropriate response. And essentially, I want to speak to our confidence today. I want to I speak to what I believe the Spirit of God wants us to understand from His Word about our place in all this, because I suppose the easiest thing to do in something like this is look for the exit door, think, well, this, you know what can I do? There's nothing I can do. This doesn't affect me, uh, or it affects me, but I, I have no power to do anything about it. Whereas I want to suggest something different. I, there are two words that I want to bring to you this morning, which is kind of a working title to do with Invasion and Transformation. Invasion and Transformation. See, I want to point us to a very familiar scripture. I think it has to be one of my favorites because it is so powerfully important in our lives. Kind of if you don't get this, you're going to be, you're going to be struggling. Romans 12 verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. I love, what, I love the way uh, J.B. Phillips puts that. He said, don't let this world squeeze you into its mold. Don't let this world squeeze you into its mold. In other words, don't let the world pull you down to its level. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test And approve God what God's will is His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So you know I love that because this is essential. The gospel invades my life. It has to change my heart, but it has to change my mind. It's in fact, it's not just a change; it's a transformation. Now, the 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 caliber and quality of that transformation perhaps is a little lost in that verse. But if we understand, and, and just forgive me for a moment, we've just got to go back to the original language. When, and you've heard me talk about this before, about transformed, uh, coming from the word metamorpho, from which we get the word metamorphosis, that, that, that God is looking for a metamorphosis in our thinking, for our, our thinking to be utterly, profoundly transformed. Well, there are three other times this word is used. Twice it's used to describe when Jesus was transfigured before his disciples. You remember when his clothes became like white and there was all that. It was used in, in that. It was used in regard to the transfiguration. And then it's also used in regard to how Jesus Transfigures us. And I want to just draw your attention to that in 2 Corinthians 3. And I'm going to read it in the message version because it just puts it so nice and simply. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 16, it says, Whenever though they turn to face God, as Moses did, God removes the veil. And there they are face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah, Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like Him. So there is a transfiguration, a transformation that takes place in our thinking and there is a suggestion here that even in the way we look so utterly deep. And profound and overwhelming is the presence of God as it invades our life. It transforms us and we are transfigured much like Jesus was in that the evidence of the presence of God is actually, it can be seen on us. Have you, have you ever seen somebody who's just carrying a sense of God and, and there's just something about them. There's just some, uh, something that is profoundly beautiful. And, and I love that this scripture points us to the fact that the gospel has the power to change our whole life, all our life, in that, in that we, 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 we should be experiencing, as we experience more of God, there should be an ongoing transformation in our lives. I don't think I can emphasize this enough my salvation, my walk with God, my, my life being impacted by God didn't just happen one day 30 years ago. That, that if I'm pretty much the same as I was back then, except now I go to church, then there's something wrong. Because the Bible points us to a fact that, that there needs to be an on. Un- Going transformation in my life. As God is at work in me, as God is changing me, as God is, is, is exposing me to more of his presence and shining his light on the areas of my life that need to change, that I become like him and as the, as the scripture says there, becoming brighter and more, more beautiful as God enters our lives. I also feel that that scripture separates us from religion. It removes the veil. It separates us from the piece of chiseled stone that we we call God and introduces us to this living spirit. We've got baptisms tonight. Very excited about that. That is that is. Proof, is living proof that, that, that Jesus, by His Spirit, has the power to invade lives and, and transform them. And they will share about that. Even, the, even baptism is part of that transformation. But there is transformation that leads to baptism and there's transformation that comes from baptism. And then we who are transformed by the power of, through, uh, of Jesus Christ, we become transformers. So, we're not just meant to be transformed, but through his life invading my life, I now have the power to transform environments around me. Let me unpack that a little bit. So, in in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says this God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful. And increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, have dominion over it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the earth. So I I want to point us to the to the fact that God presented man, God Gifted to man. He, he gave him an incredible environment. He said, Look, this is this is for you. There is the, the I, I want you, I want you to to understand that the, that the fish in the sea are for you and the birds in the sky are for you and every living creature that moves on the earth is for you. But you must also understand that God intended man to influence the environment that he was placed in. What does he say? He said he blessed him. He said be fruitful and increase in number. There's a difference between being fruitful and increasing in number. They can look like the same thing, but we need to be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule. God was giving man a job to do. He was saying, influence, tame your environment, make it, submit. So God gave man an environment. When I talk about man here I'm not talking in a sexist term at this point it was man and woman together but 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 God gave man and woman an environment and says I want you to influence it I'm giving it to you I'm placing you in it but you're not you're not just meant to to let life happen to you you are supposed to influence the environment that I'm placing you in in other words God did not intend us just to accept what's been handed to us. We are designed by nature to impact the environment that we have been given. God has given us that ability. So if I then fast forward to the words that Jesus speaks in Matthew 5, when he said to the people of faith he said you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot you are the light of the world a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and give it, and it gives light to everyone in the house. See, Jesus didn't say you will be the salt of the earth. He says you are. And I just want to point us to something because we we tend to listen to stuff like that and we, put it to, we compare it to things we relate to. Well, you see, salt to us is something we put on our chips because that's the, that's the audience that this is coming to now. But those comments that Jesus made were going to a very different audience. When they heard that, they heard something quite different. When they heard, you are the salt of the earth, They heard, wow, because you see, salt in Jesus' time was very valuable. Actually being called white gold at one point. In fact, it was so valuable that Roman soldiers were paid with salt. And it was called, uh, it was called salarium from which we get the word salary. Salary. So because they were paid in salt, you, you, you are given a salary because some people were once paid in salt. In fact, that's why, that's where we get the phrase from, he's worth his salt. You're getting all this for free. This is just thrown in, just absolute bargain. It's amazing. He's worth his salt. That's what it means when he says he's worth his salt, he's worth what he's being paid. So when Jesus was saying that, his hearers were hearing, wow, we're valuable. We are, we are people of value. He was also under, uh, communicating, of course, that salt irreversibly changes its environment. Whatever it comes into contact with, it changes, it's impacted by. And then he's saying But if you lose your saltiness, i.e. if you lose the thing that makes you distinct, if you lose the thing that makes you distinct, then you're of no value. So he's gone from saying you're of great value, but if you lose the thing, if you lose your saltiness, if you lose the distinctive, then you become of no value. Let me move on. He said, he talks about, then he said, you are the light of the world. Again, not you will be, not you're going to be. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine. Just let it happen. He said, it's not about trying to shine. It's about letting the life of God uh, shine through you. Light will transform the environment it impacts We are made made to invade environments we have contact with. Salt starts on the outside and works its way in. Light penetrates and disperses the darkness. But both transform the environment they have contact with. We are transformers because of who is in us. Christ in me the hope of glory Christ in you the hope of glory now we're about to embark on a little bit of a journey you might want to put your seatbelt on you might want to just make yourself comfortable because because i think that for some of you the journey we're about to embark on is going to mess with your head a little bit because it's going to rearrange some of the things that you think about who you are and what you're here to do. Because God intends for us to understand that as followers of Jesus Christ, as people who have received him into our heart and lives, we are meant to impact our environment. In fact, it's almost like we've got to try not to because of the life of God that is within us. Let me take you to a psalm to help us to understand this. Psalm 84, verses 5 and 6 says this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. You say, okay, cool. What do, you, what do you mean by that? See, the Valley of Baca, also known, incidentally, as the Valley of Tears, is a very dry, desert-like, inhospitable, and difficult place. And the psalmist is saying, as you pass through that dry, desert-like, inhospitable place, I am saying make it a place of springs. They make it. It's like it's, it's in their nature to make that place a place of springs. Actually, I like how another version puts it. It says, it says actually make it a place of wells. Make it a place of wells. And I like that because wells have to be dug. You've got to dig wells. You've got to roll up your sleeves. You've got to take your shovel and you've got to dig a well. You've got to put some effort in. Now, essentially, if we just rearrange the word in a little bit, what the psalmist is trying to say is here right now we have a place that rejects water. But I am asking you to make it a place that receives water. It is dry, it is arid, it is fruitless and barren because it rejects water. But this same land, if it should ever receive water, will become a fruitful place. In fact, in the original language, you could actually legitimately say a place irrigated with fountains I love that a place irrigated with fountains see I think the devil is scared of this message I know some of you might be thinking "Ah, well I don't know I don't know what he's on about to already you know what I mean but I, I know that what I'm preaching this morning the enemy doesn't like I know Maybe that's why some of you are finding it hard to concentrate. Because the truth is, if the people of God ever got hold of this, if, if they under, ever understood the power of what I'm talking about this morning, then, then we would understand, if we ever got to understand that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, that I am meant to influence my environment, that I'm meant to change the world, that I'm not, I'm not meant to run and hide from everything that goes on. I'm not meant to retreat and become small and blend with the background. That actually I can make a difference. That is a dangerous message. You see the enemy is very happy actually for you to come to church. Because if we're all in here it's safe. He's safe. He, what he's scared about is us getting out there. He doesn't mind us being in here because, oh, thank God, they're all in one place. They're they're just focusing on themselves, they're focusing on on God, but they're not really doing anything. But if ever we got it in our heads that we could go out there and make a difference, suddenly we've got a very dangerous message because now we're not just together in one place. Now we've got an understanding that we can invade and transform through the power of God. You see, that's the difference between religion and what Jesus is trying to get us to get hold of. See, religion teaches me that God is good and I am bad. So religion comes to distract me, it comes to disorientate me, it comes to it comes to. Stop me focusing on the things I should be focusing on. So religion will teach me that I need to win God's favor. And I need to win God's favor by being a good boy. You see, some of us, we mark the fact that we've become a Christian by the fact that, you know what? I used to be a bad boy. I used to be a bad girl. I used to do this and I used to do that. And I don't do those things anymore. And so I'm trying really hard now to be a good boy. I'm trying really hard to get it right because when I get it right, I please God. And if I please God, then God will bless me because I'm doing what he wants me to do. And God will give me marks out of 10. And the more out of 10 I get, the more blessings I get because I'm pleasing him. Because my behavior determines how he blesses me. Now, many of us live like that as Christians, but we're living the wrong message. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is not the way we are meant to live. It is a distraction. It is something designed to get you off course. It is designed, something designed to stop you being who you could be. Because if, if the enemy can get you to focus on how bad you are and get you to focus on trying to be good, then you're not going to be out there. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, like... The fact, the, the fact is, maybe, maybe then, maybe, I don't know, maybe if we realize that I'm good, not because I'm trying to be good, but because Jesus, through the power of the, the cross, has saved me and changed me and transformed my life. If I knew, then, if, then, then maybe I would stop trying to be better. Maybe I wouldn't find it quite as necessary to spend so much time going to conferences trying to be better. Trying to be more educated. Trying to what? What is it that I can spend so much time watching God TV, reading this, reading that, going to that conference, going? And I've got nothing against conferences, books, or anything else, or even God TV in measure. But the point that I want to make is that that we 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 need to understand what we have already, what God has already done. That is not going to change. I don't mind me going. You know, the, of course. Of course, when we hear a message that opens our heart and opens my mind to the possibility of what Jesus can do through me, that's a different thing because that results in action. But do you understand that it could also be a strategy of the enemy to preoccupy us with trying to be better? Because while every can keep us together in one place, we're not out there influencing the world. Influencing our environment. Do you get what I'm saying? See, religion will teach me that church is something I run to to escape the place of the world. This just becomes a refuge. Because the reality is that life out there is quite bad. It's tough. You don't know about my marriage. You don't know about my family. You don't know about my work situation. You don't know about, know about my health situation. You don't know about this and that. You don't know about those things. You don't. You don't get it. It's tough. So I come to church because. Oh my God, I need you. I need you because my life out there is pretty rubbish. I've got some horrible stuff going on in my life and I need you. I need, I need to come and here I find peace and, and I find hope and, and I find encouragement from my friends and we sing a few songs and we gather around the word. Uh, you know, it's, it's like religion robs some anesthetic on my pain. So it means that I can come and I, I arrive in pain and, and, and by the time I leave, I feel a lot better because I've had something rubbed, I've had something rubbed on my pain so that I don't, feel, I don't feel it anymore. But the problem is I go back to my life and, I get, and the pain is there again and that, oh my God, I need to get to church next week because I need some more of that cream to be rubbed in. It's a bit like, it's a bit like having a splinter on your finger, it hurts, in your finger it hurts, ow, ow. And I get a cream and I rub it in, and it numbs it, and I can even press on it, it doesn't hurt anymore. And, and you say, wow, that's, I feel much better now, I feel much better. But the problem is, the splinter the is still there. Jesus deals with the splinter. He deals with the problem. He not only deals with the pain, He deals with the cause of the pain. God doesn't want me to just keep running out of here, going back to that life, that horrible life, and keep running away from it in here. He wants me to go from here and impact that life. Because what is in me is powerful enough to change that life. What is... In me is powerful enough to influence that life. It it doesn't just rub a superficial cream on it. It deals with the splinters to allow true and real healing to come into my heart and into my soul. Jesus is somebody who restores and renews and replenishes. We're meant to impact, influence, be salt, be light. Influence the the, the environment that God places us in. What is in us is able to impact that. You see, the, the problem with religion is it gets me to focus on heaven. Stay with me. Stay with me. Because I can see heaven as a means of escaping hell. Or even escaping the hell I'm living in, that if I can just hold on, my life is hell, but if I can just hold on till Jesus comes, or if I can just hold on till I go to be with Him, then, then and, 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 and I can keep running to the church to have a bit of anesthetic rubbed on and then go back to my life. But do you understand how that leaves you powerless? Because while I'm focusing on, uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm on my way to glory, Jesus sets me free. I'm not doing anything about my life. I've got an escape plan. I'm not doing anything about the issues and the problems that I'm facing. I'm, I'm so busy focusing on the great escape that I forget to understand that I have the power within me to change the environment that I am in. That religion leaves me powerless. Powerless. It gives me an escape route. It gives me an escape plan, but it leaves me powerless to deal with the problem. I believe that what God has given us is so powerful, it can utterly transform the environments that we are in. The devil's got a lot to answer for because he has got us as followers of Christ preoccupied with our weakness and what we don't have and how we can't change things and how powerless we are and, and we become victims. Religion reduces God to someone who, will, who we need to appease and he'll meet our needs. He He becomes... We get excited when he becomes the God that gets us a parking place near the entrance of the supermarket. God's good, hallelujah, oh my gosh. It was raining, I said, oh God, my hair, what am I gonna do? And you know what, just as I was driving by, a car pulled out, and I was able to drive in, Jesus is good, hallelujah, God is good. God gets reduced to someone who gives me a parking space. I just want to suggest to us that there are some more important things in life. Great if you get your parking space, but you know what? God is good, even if you have to walk from one, far, one side of the, the car park to the other. God is still good. You know, God's good. He gave me a bargain. Woo, Jesus. I went in and it was just, and the woman was just putting the sticker sale on and you know, it's like, you see, God, God just becomes this, the the God who meets my immediate needs you know he's there he gives me I get my food and I get my place to live and I get my clothes to wear even better if it's a bargain and he'll just keep me safe just keep me safe Lord just protect me protect me and mine until until we get to heaven until we get to be with you and then we'll know we'll be safe then we don't have to worry anymore we don't have to be scared anymore because then we'll be with you and I want to say that is the devil is a liar He doesn't want us living small and timid and and afraid and and safe and in a small little place Saying, I'm hanging on, Jesus. I'm doing my best to be good till I get to be with you. I don't do that anymore. Did you notice? I know I do that. I'm working on that. I'm working on that. I know I've got that problem. I'm working on that as well, but I don't do that anymore. Come on, Jesus, give me a break. I don't do that anymore. Come on, that was a big deal. You know that was a big deal. I don't do it anymore. This is little compared to that. But I'm hanging on, Lord, I'm hanging on, I'm hanging on until I get there. If I can just get to heaven. And we become so weak and disempowered. You know, I want to say, we get so focused on our needs and God meet these needs. And Look what Jesus said. Jesus said, therefore, Matthew 6, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. And what you'll eat or drink or about your body and what you'll wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. I mean, hello, Jesus is trying to get our attention here. He's saying, guys, you know, for you, you, other people think about this stuff. You've got some more important stuff to think about. He says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And yeah, all these things will be given to you as well. I know you need them. What I'm trying to get you to understand is when you follow me, you don't need to think about that stuff because I'm just going to make sure it gets to you. I'm going to look after you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to meet your needs. You need to understand, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I've got that. I've got you. God is trying to get us to live to a different level. We're thinking down here, all small and little and you know, we, we can't do anything. And God is saying, hey, wake up. You, 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 are, you are living so tiny and hiding away. Do you not know who you are? Do you not know who you have? Do you not know who lives inside you? You're living like a timid little kitten and there's a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah who lives inside of you. We sing about it. We sing about him. My God is a lion. But we live like a kitten. My God is a lion and he lives inside me. And there is some stuff that I'm not meant to run away from. I'm meant to roar at. I'm meant to roar at. God is calling me to establish his kingdom. It's not about the great escape. It's not about just me getting out of earth into heaven. Oh God, oh God, I'm hanging on till I get there. If we understand this, we understand that it's not our job to escape earth, to get into heaven. Our job is to pull heaven down into earth. That's what Jesus told us to pray. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. There is something in me that is meant to pull heaven down to where I am. I'm not meant to escape where I am. I'm meant to transform where I am. to change, to influence, to dig wells. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This is not about being powerless. You see, when I, when I go into that dry place, when I go into that desert, when I go into that arid place and I dig wells, I'm declaring that the vision for this environment can be different. I know what it looks like right now. I know it doesn't look much right now, but I've got a vision that something can be different here and I'm going to dig wells. And when you you walk into an environment like that and you start digging wells, it looks a bit stupid. It looks a bit pathetic, but you just got to hold on a while. When I dig wells, I'm I'm declaring that I can make a difference. I'm declaring that that which was once dry and barren can become fruitful. See, by digging wells, I am declaring, I know what the landscape looks like right now, but I believe it can change. I believe it can change. See, that's what irrigation does. I mean, we read earlier about irrigating with fountains. It's about... it's. You know, I've been to Africa uh, uh, over many years and and some of you have been there. You know what it is, that you can go to very dry and arid places and they chop out channels. They cut out, they irrigate an area uh, 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 to enable that area to receive water when it otherwise would not. When when, When the water flows in those irrigated paths, that which was barren and lifeless becomes fruitful. It becomes productive. You see, water represents life and fruitfulness flowing once where there was death and barrenness. And, and I'm saying that, that what we need to do is, we, that part of us uh, being God's uh, sons and daughters on the earth means that we roll up our sleeves and we pick up our shovel and we go into some dry, barren places and we declare, you know what? I believe that this can be different. I believe that this landscape can look different and we can dig some channels so the water can flow. And when the water flows, life will come and breakthrough will come in the name of Jesus. That's why we are planting campuses to the north and to the south. And to the east and west of our city. That is why we have a plan to go to the ten cities north of us. That is why we are going there. We're going with a shovel and our sleeves rolled up and we're saying this landscape right now might look a little bit dry and barren and for a little while, we might feel foolish for digging wells, but give it time because my God is coming and that water is gonna spring up and the water will flow and that which was barren will become a place covered in pools. This is the power, the reality of what we carry. And I understand. I understand some of you might say, oh well, you know what? That's all cool, that's all great. You're talking, you know, never mind about nations and cities. What do you know about my do you know what's going on in my life right now? Do you know what's going on in my house? Do you know what's going on in my finances? Do you know what's going on in my marriage right now? I can't think about the nation. I I need a God who's gonna help my marriage right now. I need a God who's gonna. Help me get through the week. I need a God who's going to help me deal with that bill. Well, you need to understand that the same God, the same God who can change a nation, can impact your life. He can, he can help you transform your family because it's the same God who lives in you. And I know some of us are waiting for someone to come and rescue us and who knows, he may send someone along. But for some of us, we need to understand the answer isn't out there. The answer is within me that there are some some wells in my own life. Some of us are so dry spiritually, we need to dig some wells in our own heart, in our own life so the water can flow. Because we're trying to survive on my new rations when God has got a table laden with choice food. He's got got an infinite stream that He, rivers of living water that He wants to cause to flow from your life. This same God can invade and transform your family, can invade and transform your health, can invade and transform your finances. Your life does not have to look like the way your parents' life looked or their parents' because you've got Jesus in your life. And Jesus is powerful enough to change the world to change my world. But I just may have to dig some wells in the meantime. Stop looking for Santa Claus. Stop looking for Santa Claus. Stop looking for God to drop the answer down the chimney. Stop say God, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I've got a spade here. I'm going to I'm going to dig a well. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen right now. I feel a bit of an idiot. It's a dry. It's a lost place, but I'm digging a well here. I'm, I'm creating an opportunity for you to turn up and fill this emptiness. You know what? That's what Heart Week is about. Your Heart Week, you saw it on the church announcements there. We, we're going into Heart Week, not, not so that we can just say, oh, cool. You know what? We did a couple of good things around the city. How good are we? You know, th- no, this is about us being salt and light and digging wells, Influencing wherever we go and this all needs to flow from a God who's done something in me God may somehow God get out of our head and into our heart do you know what I mean by that we live too much of our faith here we need to live it here reaching out I think we've just made it so complicated we've made it so complex and it's just so incredibly beautifully profoundly simple that we take the wonder of what God has done in me and we allow the love of God to flow out to those around us whatever that looks like salt light may God give you wisdom to know today this week where you can dig some wells in your heart in the circumstances around your life that God will come and flood it with his living water his kingdom come His will be done in Jesus' name. Amen.